podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Alex Barilaro. Uh, although, seeing as how this podcast might have a bit of exotic flair to it, given the places we're looking at players today, maybe I should be introducing myself with my full name, which happens to be Alessandro Barilaro. Uh, that's right, an Italian-Australian talking about football in England and Europe. Uh, you are listening, of course, to the Anfield Index Committee podcast, which is back. I was there during its first run under the silky smooth tones of Jason Roberts, uh, then I was there under the masterful stewardship of Leroy Ma, and now I've been given the gig, so uh, I guess it's just proof, proof that it doesn't matter how good you are, if you stick around long enough, someone might give you the job, purely because no one else wants it. Um, of course, that's not what happened. I'm delighted to be bringing back this podcast. We figured we'd make uh, a podcast that takes a wider look at players across Europe, um, maybe with the goal of bringing attention to some players that the majority of people might not know, or maybe... They only follow a certain league, so we figured we'd have a collation of lots and lots of knowledge uh, here to bring to you on AI. Of course, there's going to be a focus on Liverpool, as always, but uh, we we still want to be able to talk about players that may not necessarily be a fit to Jurgen's Mighty Reds, uh, maybe a bit of a broader view. And uh, with me, an Australian, on my podcasting debut, is an Irishman and an Englishman which means uh, this episode of the Committee Podcast is brought to you by British Colonialism. Um, also sponsoring the podcast is Foster's. Oh, actually, I'm not allowed to do that one. Yeah, so uh, John, Sol- John O'Sullivan, how are you doing, mate? I'm very good. Thanks for having me on. I've, it's been uh, it's been quite a number of years since I've been on this, but I'd like to add that the last time I was on, I talked about Navi Cato and he's still playing in Austria, and he subsequently signed for Liverpool, so... Not saying I deserve a chunk of his transfer fee from Leipzig to Liverpool, but you know something in the lines of twenty percent would probably be fair. Yeah, I think 20, 15, 20 percent should be all right. You know, I reckon you could get in touch with the the Guinean lads, the Guinean Junos, and they'd they'd hook you up. Um, something tells me you know players, John. If John O'Sull- if John O'Sullivan is heralding Nabi Cato to Liverpool, that might have just worked. Also with me, Andy Andy Wales. How are you, my friend? I'm not so bad, my friend, and uh, in the to a British colonial sense, I am drinking a cup of tea. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so we've got midnight <laughs> down in Australia. We've got, what is it, three o'clock up in the UK as of, as of recording. No matter where you are, listener, uh, we hope you are enjoying this on your commute to work, maybe on your ride to the gym. Maybe you're, you've just finished watching a YouTube compilation of Christian Pulisic and you're just hankering for someone else. That's what we'll be discussing today. Um, but we're going to start with a couple of segments that will be regular segments. Because back when we did the committee podcast, we've had a few iterations of it, and we figured everyone wants to learn about players. Um, but, you know, sometimes we don't just want to focus on the players that are brilliant. Sometimes we want to focus on the players that we think are brilliant, and maybe someone else doesn't. So we'll start with a uh, segment that I like to call the hipster's choice. Um, basically, what is a player, John O'Sullivan, that you like, that the majority of people might not be familiar with? Um, basically... Extend your hipster knowledge and impart it to the masses of listeners out there. So, okay, so when I was thinking about this, I kind of thought my last shout, Navigate, all those years ago was good. So I said I'd go back to Austria and 
Orby Salisbury again from our favourite uh, energy drink slash football franchise. And uh, Amadou Haidara, who's a player who's actually quite similar to our own Naby Keita and uh, someone I'm sure if we brought in could be developed into another star. That's that's a good shout, actually. He's So how old is he now? He's just gone 20 since January, so he's still quite young in his development. But I think that would nearly give Liverpool a leg up before he kind of explodes. That would be, yeah. And I think anyone who gets him now is probably going to have to pay under maybe approximately 15 to 20. But if you're looking at 22-year-old Haydara, he'll be going at Naby Keita levels if he continues this up, especially if his career trajectory is the same. Do you reckon he'll go to Leipzig? There was talk of it um, as early as July. Of, um, there was even talk as so far as saying that a fee was agreed between the two clubs, but as things stand, he's still in Austria. So whether he's going to stay there for the season or he'll be a late kind of a uh, switch to uh, to Leipzig remains to be seen. Um, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, given that Kade is obviously at Liverpool and the two the links between the clubs are well established. So you would think that would be a kind of a commonly trod path. But as things stand, he's still he's still in Austria, so it's quite interesting. Might be it might well be one that Big Uncle Ragnik could take a look at. He's managing Leipzig this season. For those who haven't seen, he they are waiting on the arrival of Julian Nagelsmann, and and you would well know that Julian Nagelsmann has done well considering Hoffenheim's uh, limited resources. But the player of Amadou Haderaz caliber under Nagelsmann may well be exciting. Who have you gone for with your hipster's choice today, Andy? Given my uh, Bundesliga tendencies, I'm sticking wholly with Bundesliga because, well, <laughs> also the fact that <laughs> that and the Premier League are the only the only uh, leagues I, I tend to watch. But um, I've gone a little bit left field, and I've also tapped into my um, my Bundesliga my uh, my Bundesliga my Borussia Dortmund uh, affinity, and I've gone for Maximilian Philipp, um, oh, 24. Yeah, 24-year-old. Um, I'm not saying he's you know a future Liverpool player or anything like that, but he's a player that I just, I don't know, caught sight of, and there's something about him that I quite like. Uh, one of them, I, I don't know, I just he's got something about him. He's got a real upside to him. Uh, joined Dortmund uh, just over a year ago from Freiburg. Started to score some goals, nothing sort of really prolific, but... You know, had a really good start. I think something like six in ten for Dortmund before he got injured. Um, came back towards the end of last season, got something like three in five once he was starting towards the end of the campaign as well. And now, you know, with Dortmund without any real sort of recognised out and out centre forward goal scoring striker, probably going to get more opportunities up front. And there's just something about him, um, quite sort of versatile in that forward line. I think between him and Royce, if they're going to be you know, under Favre, if they're going to be playing him in a more attacking role and going to be looking to them predominantly for the goals, I just feel he's a he's a player who could uh, who could step out of the shadows and really shine. So I, I say one to to look out for. He was at Freiburg, was he not as well? That's very impressed. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was his, his last season at Freiburg. He started to really sort of make people stand up and take notice, and you know, twenty about twenty two year old by that by that time. So. A little bit of a late bloomer in some some respects, you know. Look, you, you, in them early years, nothing sort of outstanding, nothing to really stand out from the crowd. But um, he, you know, he, he went to Dortmund and just looked looked the, the part and really sort of uh, fitted in quite well. And you know, the the Dortmund fans be, quickly took into their hearts. So the, there is, I think, there's something about this player. So let let's see how it goes. 
sticking, actually sticking to that profile, to be honest, someone who plays up front and still maybe is versatile enough to switch around. Uh, my, my pick for the hipster's choice, and this is going to be my only pick as instead of me getting, hogging one every week. Um, sticking with Bundesliga and maybe less heralded Bundesliga teams, uh, Michael Gregorish from Augsburg, Augsburg, pronounce it properly. Um, excellent. Very similar to the mold of Maximilian Philip, and he plays that kind of half number nine, half number ten bracket. Uh, even his strike partner, Alfred Finn Boggerson, I, I considered for this because he is a lethal number nine. He's Icelandic as well. Um, Finn Boggerson, that is. Uh, and he knows the back of the net, but there's something about Gregorish where he'll pick the ball up and look to do something uncanny or crazy. Um, Andy, I, I, I assume you've seen him as well in, in terms of Gregorish and his, his ability on the ball, but he scored some ripper goals when Finn Boggerson was out injured last season in the Bundesliga too. Yeah, I've seen I've seen bits of him, and he does look impressive. And Finn Boggerson's another one who uh, I'm kind of surprised no one's really picked him up yet. He just has a knack of scoring goals. Uh, I mean, just on that Bundesliga, you know, forwards who kind of seem to go under the radar somewhat. You've got Mark Woods, who'd gone from Hoffenheim to Schalke on a free transfer. Now, he was starting to bang the goals in last season. If you remember when Liverpool played Hoffenheim, he was a guy who came on and really made a difference for them up front. Scored against us. Uh, and went on, had a good season for Hoffenheim. He's gone to Schalke, and I think him under Tedesco, we, we might see uh, Mark Oops, you know, be a, a breakout star and you know really progress and maybe take that next uh, next step in his career. So th- there's there's another one there. There's there's a lot of these, not necessarily you know your elite level strikers, but this next sort of step level down. Uh, uh, the guys that perhaps. You know, as Liverpool fans, we're looking for someone who could come in and complement our squad, maybe someone to step in for Bobby Firmino. I think th- there's a lot of players like that who would be more content with a squad role, but when you call upon them, you know that they can deliver. Yeah, I think Oot's almost perfect for that. I hadn't considered that before either, because he's versatile enough that he's he's over six foot and he looks nearly lanky, but... He's, he's a potent finisher, but he also played for half an hour. There were times when he played out wide and you were like, you're too tall to be a winger. And he'd put the afterburners on as well. And John, have you, have you seen much of Oot or even Mikko Gregorish as well? And any insight? More so of Oot, um, especially when I saw him play against Liverpool for half an hour. He's quite a, he's quite a physical striker. He reminds me kind of an old school, like considering old school German forward and, uh, He's something I actually think that Klopp might like. He works quite hard, and um, prior to going to Schalke, they kind of play quite defensively, but at half nine, it was kind of pressing football. So, yeah, it would be someone, like, hypothetically, if he ever were to play flirt, but I think he'd probably suit the type of game that we play. But uh, like like you were saying, there's so many kind of unheralded strikers in the Bundesliga who, if they were playing in the English Premier League with all the hype that surrounds it, they would probably be rated by a lot more than they actually are. And he's definitely yeah. one of them. Yeah, they there's there's an abundance of them there. You could almost go through every team and pick out one of that front line who could feasibly fit into kind of that ideal German setup, which and that let obviously leads us on to lots and lots of problems with Jurgi Love's tactical setup in the World Cup. But we we won't go down that tirade. Um, producer Guy has mentioned a name that I cannot ignore because I love him to death. Um, and this this player completed the second most dribbles in the top six European leagues because I'm counting the championship. That should give it away. Uh, it was second only to Neymar. And Neymar's dribbling numbers are ridiculous. And Adama Traore 
didn't necessarily get close, but he got closer than anyone else. And in, in comparison, Traore's were, were then ridiculous in that they were completely just gazumping everyone else. Adama Traore is the kind of player that I wish we had signed for Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough, because he is cheap-ish. He's gone to Wolves now, which means you're going to have to deal with Jorge Mendes. Uh, and he's just so much fun. He's just brilliant. He's, he's utterly, utterly brilliant. So that was, yeah, that was producer guy suggested and that was, uh, one of my favorites. And it's only been one episode. And now onto some players that were perhaps too heralded for their own good. Uh, players that were the, whether the victim of their own hype or simply just burnt out too soon. Uh, this is a segment that I like to call favorite flops. And the reason that is, is because sometimes we get things wrong. As many young players as there are out there, they can't all be successes. So we're going to pick out some of those players who career had a career path that certainly didn't fall to predictions. So um, I'll start off. I'll, I'll show you what we're talking about. Adele Tarapt is a name that many people will have known, whether by QPR fame or by his, his very, very, very short stint at AC Milan. Um, he had seemingly the world at his feet. He was a ridiculously talented player. He scored some absolute crackers, but he was also the kind of player that would score a brilliant goal in a brilliant performance, and you would put him in your fantasy team straight away because you think, okay, this guy, he's going to explode. And then he didn't. He really didn't. He uh, spent the next 12 games probably having a cup of tea uh, rather than concentrating on playing football. In the case of Adele Tarapt, he was the kind of player who would be out in a nightclub late at night, and he didn't have the talent of Roger Nangolan to back it up. So, as we uh, investigate the, our favourite flops, I'll go to you first. John, who is the, the player that, that you think didn't have the career path to match the hype? Okay, so probably describing him as a flop is a little bit harsh, considering he's had what you objectively say was a very good career compared to most. But I think compared to the talent he has, Mario Battelli never really fulfilled his rich, rich promise. I mean, this guy looked like an absolute superstar in the making when he came through with Inter at 17. And you have to remember the context of this Inter where European champions had the likes of Peak, Samuelito, Melito, Ibrahimovic was there at the time, all of these class players, and he was Where's in amongst Schneider, them. Yeah, exactly. His peak. He had the support network. Yeah, he was in and around these players and didn't look out, look, didn't look out of his depth one iota and, uh, just so much talent and it. Just through a combination, I suppose, of lack of, you know, focus on his own behalf. Uh, some kind of times he was unlucky being at the wrong place at the wrong time and maybe a lack of work ethic. He's never fulfilled his potential. So I think his potential is best encapsulated when he destroyed Germany in the Euro 2012, uh, semi, semi final in the unfancied Italy, the German team that would go on to win the World Cup two years later. He absolutely took them playing as a lone striker. He was absolutely immense and, uh, actually coined that famous meme where he takes off his shirt. That was something that a lot of people may remember from that game, maybe That's more so right. than his own performance, but he was spectacularly good. And he's a career bar. You know, he's been resurgent in France in Ligue 1 with Nice, and uh, his spell at Milan hasn't really hit the heights that it should have. I mean, he, he never really got an extended chance at Liverpool, but he, looking back, he could say himself that he didn't perform to the requisite standards, similar enough at Manchester City, so... I think overall, he's probably one of the players that he'll look back when he retires and say it, could, it was good, but it could have been so much better. Do you think this, this is perhaps an indicator of the fact that football maybe hasn't gone as far as it should have in um, 
kind of highlighting what it needs to, to bring out the best in players. Maybe it's the color scheme. Maybe he has to wear red and black to actually play. Yeah, I'm because... Pre- I'm going to preface that by saying that wasn't my joke. John O'Sullivan said that before. I just nicked it from him <laughs> completely. Um, but yeah, it, it could happen. You, you may need a color scheme. Yeah, seriously. His best football has come for uh, Milan, obviously, red and black, and then Nice, uh, red and black. He was linked with Marseille all summer, but uh, just recently signed a new three-year contract under Patrick Vieira at Nice, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, he keeps going there. Maybe it's just a case of he finally feels settled down and he might have just matured as a person because <laughs> we judge footballers <laughs> to, to, uh, to such a high standard when we realise they're actually very young as human beings go. Balotelli is more or less the same age as me and I'm still, <laughs> I'm still very immature that people that know me will tell you, so... <laughs> maybe it's just a case maybe it's just a case of him finally growing up but uh, I think yes yeah, certainly he hasn't had the career he should have uh, speaking of nothing wrong with being immature Andy who's your choice <laughs> um, it kind of breaks my heart to say this actually because this is not perhaps not a player that was massively heralded but certainly a player who was linked with a number of clubs uh, two three years ago uh, player I, I was quite fond of, and he really struck me when I when I saw him. But to see his career stall and kind of drift somewhat is uh, it's Patrick Herrmann, uh, Borussia Ooh. Mönchengladbach. Um, yeah, he, he's he looked, so fast though. He's yeah, still so fast. Yeah, he was. That was it. You know, it was that speed, the wide play. You just thought this this, this guy. You know, this guy could make such a difference. He was. You know, he was having a tremendous time contributing goals, assists, really, really involved. He looked so at home uh, when Lucien Favre was in charge of Gladbach. Uh, and then injuries, and I think since the big injuries, there's, I think he's kind of just struggled to recapture that kind of form. Uh, and now he's like 27. And, you know, you've gone from being linked with you know, Liverpool, Manchester United uh, a couple of years ago to to just not being on anyone's radar anymore. So I believe I might have even mentioned him on this podcast a long, long time ago in the back under uh, Jason Roberts. So, yeah, it's um, a little heartbreaking for me personally to say that. Um, and maybe I'm being a little harsh because at 27, there's still time for him to uh, to find that form again and, and perhaps break through. But yeah, as in in terms of a guy in his very early 20s looked like he had it all ahead of him breaking into the uh, the national team at 27 to to be not always making not always being a first choice for for Munch Gladbach now it's uh, maybe maybe flop is the right word mm, I think it, that's more than fair I think he's suffering under data hacking cuz I don't think hacking's allowing him to be the kind of all action fluid winger he should be um it's a difficult one to say that. I mean, it also encapsulates the point of this segment, which is sometimes we get things wrong. Is Because uh, if Andy is heralding back to the days of Jason Roberts... Oh, John's just put a, an interesting one in the chat. John, okay, this needs to be this needs to be said because it completely slipped my mind. Um, I'll give you another one. John, who, who have you got for me? <laughs> Hatton Ben Arthur. I mean... I can't believe I didn't think of that. That guy was so ridiculously talented, and then he couldn't get into Steve Bruce's whole team because he's about three stone overweight. He just and they, totally let himself go. 
the best story about that was that Newcastle couldn't sell him. Well, it might have been to Hull or it might have been back to France. Newcastle couldn't sell Hatton Ben Arthur because he made one appearance for the under-21s because uh, I think it was Pardew at the time said, you are so unfit, you need to play one game. Uh, and I think he was dragged after like a half as well. And because of that one game, back in the day when the transfer window actually closed after the season began, Newcastle couldn't sell him and they had to sell him for a cut price fee. That is the story of Hatton Ben Arthur. Not being able to be sold because you played a game for the under 21s. <laughs> and then he went to get, have a resurgence at Nice again. The same place as Balotelli, the same place mm-hmm. as Snyder. It's become a really good kind of a place for footballers to get a second or in this case probably 19th chance. And then subsequently moved to PSG. But what a talent that guy was. It was, he just couldn't seem Irish about football, to be honest. Just happens to be just ridiculously talented player. Mm, and I think the fact that he's gone to PSG and Emery wanted absolutely nothing to do with him is, uh, quite a fair representation of his career. What Andy did say there, however, was that he, uh, went back to the days of, of old, of old committee podcast and he made a, a suggestion that, well, it didn't quite strike right. Um, now, John, I always know you've got another one who you were perhaps thinking was a bit controversial because it's a prediction more than a retrospective, but there is a certain Arsenal defensive midfielder that you feel might well fall under this category, or maybe not under this category. Maybe in the future he'll just be a missed opportunity. Who's that? I think Lucas Torreira, as much as I like him and as I rate him, I just think it could get so toxic at Arsenal that him, a 21-year-old, coming into a completely new league with big pressure at a big club, he could just kind of get lost in the melee. And it might not necessarily be through any fault of his own, but the pressure could be absolutely insane on his shoulders there, especially when you consider that Shaka has been just... He was actually another player that was mentioned on this committee podcast by someone else to link to Liverpool, and at the time everyone thought it would be a great idea. He's adapted to English football like a stone to water. He's been awful. So it could be just a case that so much expectation will be on the shoulders of Torreira to kind of hold down the midfield at this big club with big expectations, and he might just flounder with the expectation. Uh, Andy, I'll ask you this question because it, it follows on from that. How old do you think players have to be for the threshold to now go past them? You said her mom was 27. It's pretty clear to me that I don't think Herman will get his move to a big side. If he if he does get a move, it, it will be to Leverkusen or maybe Schalke because he's had a stellar season with Gladbach. And even then, I wouldn't consider that a huge move. Say Torreira, which I think Torreira's a very, very classy player, a very skillful player, but he needs a real physical presence next to him um, to combat, especially in the Premier League. He's 22 years old. How old do you think players have to be before they before they start fading into this flop category? I think, in fairness, you're probably getting into what would traditionally be considered the peak years. So you get to 26, maybe 27, 28, around that period where you've ideally got that that, that nice blend of... Um, you're still young enough to have the all the physical attributes, but you've gained that bit of experience and, and game know-how. So... I think once you once you start getting to 27, 28, if you still haven't fulfilled all or, or most of them expectations, then I think it's probably fair enough to call them a flop against what people were touting them to be. Mm, that that's that seems about fair enough. So we'll move on to really the purpose of this podcast, which is 
two players, uh, one of whom may have a connection to Liverpool or maybe someone that Liverpool is seeking, and another one just in a more general sense, uh, because we don't want to necessarily kind of hinder ourselves to the harking of, of just Liverpool, of, of everything that we need. But before we do that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors, our sponsors that are Anfield Index. Hi, Anne. How are you? Um, is everything okay? Yeah, absolutely, Gax. Everything is fine. But you know what? I'm hearing you've got a special offer for Anfield Index Pro. Is that so? Yes, absolutely. And we've got your weekly show, Moby on the Spot, the popular stat show, Under Pressure. Post-match Raw is now back and loads of other shows available at our lowest price ever. Go on then, Gax. How cheap is that? Get this, mate. Get this. It's absolutely free for seven days and then only $39.99 for a whole year. New users can now sign up and access everything at AnfieldIndexPro.com. I have to say, Gax, that is incredible news. i got to go. Where are you going? Well, to be fair, I need to go and tell Rushy about this offer. <laughs> Thanks. Whilst you're there, please let Rushy know that we accept all major credits and debit cards via the website. And not only that, we've now added PayPal too. And if you want an app option, then via iOS, you can purchase AI Pro through an in-app purchase. Jan? Jan? All right, and we're back. So, Christian Pulisic is, or Pulisic, or however you want to say it. If you're American, Pulisic. Um, if you're English, I think Pulisic, Pulisic kind of gets intertwined, depending on where you are. And there seems to be a lot of contradiction between German commentators because they can't, can't be bothered to really decipher whether it is the, the soft shit C or the hard. He was linked to Liverpool last January and then uh, this summer, Raphael Honigstein seemed adamant uh, that Liverpool will go back in for Pulisic or Pulisic um, and is is almost still kind of towing the line of well, he's going to get a move to a big club one day his contract situation is just for the best world in the world not favouring Dortmund at the moment, doesn't seem to be looking like he's signing a new contract however, we're not here to talk about Christian Pulisic we are here to talk about someone, anyone who uh, is around his age, around his profile, that Liverpool could target if, say, he went to Manchester United or if he signed a new contract with Dortmund. Uh, if Lucien Favre's team improves, as we all think it will, then perhaps Pulisic will decide that his future lies at Dortmund. Um, so, Andy, I'll start with you. The Bundesliga is your forte. I'm assuming, although I could be wrong, I'm assuming that uh, one of Pulisic's inherent countrymen or taken countrymen in terms of the league that he plays in, uh, is your pick for Liverpool's alternative. Uh, who have you got for me? <laughs> yeah, you would be right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just going to uh, stick to type. Um, yeah, I will be uh, entirely over Bundesliga on this. I, I'm not the player I'm going to go for, but ironically, one of the one of the potential players, uh, one of the potential successors to Pulisic, and I call him Pulisic just because of his heritage, is actually at Dortmund, and he's English, and that's Jadon Sancho. Um, Dortmund signed him from, from Man City. They very, very slowly introduced him. Towards the end of last season, he was getting more time, and he was beginning to impress. You could see he's found his feet, and you can see that this lad has caught some real talent as well. So, ironically, um, one of the you know, potential successor to Pulisic could actually be an Englishman. <laughs> so... 
There you go. But anyway, look, both got two players. Is is that is that how we're yes, going to do so, this? So, so yeah. one could be someone who's directly um, kind of comparable to Pulisic, 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 uh, and one can be someone who you just think would just be a tremendous young player for Liverpool to yeah. sign. Um, the, the likelihood is they'll probably both be wingers because there's so many talented young wingers in world football. But in terms of the Pulisic like for like, who have you got for me? Yeah, well, I've I've got two. One is more akin to to the the Pulisic, the the, the wide, the, more the wide option. Although I believe he can play anywhere across the attacking uh, the attacking areas. Uh, and the other is more actually more of an attacking midfielder type. But so the first one is Leon Bailey, and I'm sure lots of people have heard of him now. Last season, at Leverkusen, absolute breakthrough season. It, uh, the guy was just. Um, sensational is the, is a word I would use. Um, and I've got to say, not since I first watched uh, Lee, uh, Leroy Sane for, for Schalke against, I believe it was Hertha Berlin, he came on, dribbled past players, it showed incredible composure to score a goal, and he scored against Real Madrid, uh, you know, just... Really show what a blockbuster left foot he's got on him, as well as his ability to to dribble and that explosive speed that he's had. He, you know, it was just I saw him and I was just wow, wow. You know, this player just makes me go wow. Leon Bailey was probably the first player to to make me go wow in such a way for since seeing the since seeing Sane for the first time. Absolutely explosive blockbuster talent, dribbles. Uh, Speed, power, just mesmeric. Um, if anything, you probably almost, you probably look at, if you looked at our players, you, you maybe say, um, in Sadio Mane, you know, that there's potentially the closest thing to a, to a Sadio Mane. I know he's predominantly played out in the wide positions, and I know obviously Pulisic does that for Dortmund, but he's shown, Pulisic has shown more versatility, he's playing in different areas, becoming more and more creative. Bailey, for me, can play anywhere across that front three. Um, not seeing him too much at the centre four position, but I think he's got all the attributes to do it. It just, a frightening, is, is all I'd say. When you see him, Opposition defenders must be quaking in their boots because this guy, not only that that willingness to to receive it, turn and go at people, ready to to link up, link up the play, little one twos. I think his game is developing all the while, and it, what a strike he's got on him! I mean, just oh, wow! When you see him strike the ball from distance, you know this guy has as goalkeepers floundering from thirty yards. Um, we were linked in some quarters, potentially with a move in the summer, and I think lots of other clubs have obviously been keeping an eye on him. Um, it's no doubt, I mean, it's not a surprise that he's catching the attention of lots of clubs because he looks so good. Um, who knows in terms of transfer price what he would be? He certainly wouldn't be cheap because Leverkusen are very smart and they've got an incredible uh, group of players there. They really have got some sensational talents uh, and Bailey's really, really one of them. Um, I don't know whether you've seen that much of him, Alex. I, I love Leon Bailey. He's an absolute gem. Um, his left foot is just roaring at times. Some of the stuff he pulls out, some of the, he's the shots, the, he can hit a shot 
with his lace, with your laces is a very common trope, but when you talk about Bailey Strike, he hits it with that kind of middle part of his left foot, and it just rockets. It cannons, and it doesn't get that much backspin or, or kind of swerve. And he took a couple of free kicks, and there were a couple of times when he would take free kicks, and they'd almost stun the keeper at how still they were, but so straight. Um, and, and it was very... It was kind of curious because it was a striker's left foot. It was the kind of left foot that I always used to associate with Fernando Torres. The Torres had a bit more guile about him, a bit more placement. Bailey just leathers the thing, and he does so after usually a amazing dribble. On the prices, um, for those who, for those who are unaware, Leverkusen is currently going through probably, probably as Andy just said, their their best batch of players, their biggest golden period for a while now. Julian Brandt, they locked down. Uh, on a con- new contract. He thinks his future's there, at least for the near future. Kevin Volland had interest. They said, we'll sell him, okay, 50 million euros. Um, and I believe the interest was from a German clubs as well. And that, that frightened them off. Uh, but Leon Bailey, they said a price tag of 100 million, uh, 100 million euros. So approximately 90 million pounds. And then when the English transfer window closed, they said, right, we'll lower that down to about 80 to 85 million euros. And no club came in with a bid. Um, they they just they were frightened off because they just went no it's as much as we we know this player is brilliant Liam Cruzen are going to drive as hard a bargain as possible um, it, it's it's almost interesting to see who will front up the cash for Bailey if it wouldn't wouldn't be Liverpool but given how fluid this front three is and how much Pulisic will cost. Bailey almost seems like the kind of player that you would go, look, even if you have to pay $20 million extra, he's probably worth it. Do you agree with that, John? Do you agree with, agree with that sentiment that you would pay that much money for someone of that class? I can't tell where his ceiling is because as far as I've seen, he's kind of good at everything. Um, and another kind of sweetener to it is that he hasn't played international football for anybody. He seems to be turning down Caps or his native Jamaica and there was some suggestions he might be eligible for England. Apparently that's not true. Also talking about be eligible for Belgium. Apparently that's not true. So it actually could be for a while that he waits to become naturalized German citizens. That means, you know, for a few years he mightn't play any international football, which is obviously a good thing for a club side. He, uh, he's phenomenal. So quick, so strong. It reminds me of another, uh, left footed Jamaican winger of Liverpool legend. He, uh, he has that kind of aura about mm-hmm. him. And, uh, there was talk of Roma coming in strong for him, but, uh, that didn't transpire. And I'm just surprised someone, Bigger didn't come in from. I think maybe once Robin retires from Bayern or leaves Bayern, they might push hard for him, which would uh, obviously be a terrible move for everyone in the Bundesliga apart from Bayern because it would just strengthen them even further. But it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, he's the sort of player that I think surely he's come across Michael Edwards' laptop screen because he he seems to fit all of uh, all of the metrics that we look for in a new player. And he's one of many of that team. I mean, there's Kai Havertz, there's Benjamin Hendricks, there's John Tata. There's Retzels, the goalkeeper. There's Lucas Alario. There's Julian Brandt, as was mentioned. They, they have a really exciting young crop of, of players. And I'd nearly in one way like to see them stay together to see what they can achieve together. But at the same time, I kind of like Liverpool to take all of them. So, yeah, I'm a bit stuck between those two. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the difficult decision you have to face, isn't it? Um, Andy, you said before that he could play anywhere across the front three. Where do you think he'll, end up, because I, can't, I genuinely can't tell. I don't think he'll end up on the left. I think it restricts him too much. But, is he good enough to play in the centre? I don't know, is he? I think he is. 
I, I mean, obviously, the thing here as well, he's very young, and it's quite early in his development. I mean, he was playing in, in Belgium, and no, you know, there wasn't that much talk. Uh, Leverkusen apparently took a gamble on signing him when they did, you know, so... Yeah, it was 10, 10 million we've seen as yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, that's it. And they signed him in the January, so there for a half a season just to kind of bed in. Then a first full season, you know, blowing everyone away. I think the real key is this, is just how he can perform this season. Can he replicate what he's already shown and do it on a consistent basis? And I think if he can, that's when we're likely to see the big clubs come in, uh, willing to pay whatever it takes to get him. Because, as you said, you know, the, all the physical attributes are there. Uh, he's only young. I mean, he's he's uh, he's only just turned 21. He's so much ahead of him, so much talent. As John mentioned, you know, it's difficult to see what his ceiling is in terms of just how high and how far he can go. I do think he can play that central role. I I really do. Uh, And as you mentioned, sometimes being out wide kind of restricts him because you're not always getting him as involved as as he can be. And I think it was was Guardiola that, you know, looked at Leo Messi and said, you know, the guy's too good. We need, he needs to be playing centrally so he's more involved in the game. We just want him, you know, you want your best players up that end of the pitch and central so we can get them on the ball more and more and more. So even perhaps, you know, the, the kind of the Salah thing where they do maybe start in a wider position, but they start drifting in during games. Uh, and, and as long as you've got a fluid attacking two or three or what, you know, whatever you're playing, let them players interchange uh, and, and really show what they've got and, like, I think probably the closest comparison for us would be for me is Mane, you know, a, a guy who I think can play centrally, but at the moment likes to be out wide to receive that ball. And then he's coming inside and he's influencing the game in much, much more ways than he did before. And he's really developing himself. Uh, and I think there's more to come from Bailey in that. And I think that I just, like John said, you know, it's just difficult to predict exactly what his ceiling is. It is, he's such a wow player that he could be, you, you could be talking about a world superstar here. He, he is he, he absolutely sensational. Like I said, for me, it, absolutely blockbuster, you know, explosive talent, explosive boots, explosive shot, explosive pace. <laughs> the, the guy is is absolute dynamite. If there's a word I think I'd use to describe him, it'd probably be explosive, given your little spiel there. But, uh, John question and this might not have an answer because I'm not sure I have an answer who would you take out of Christian Pulisic or Leon Bailey uh, it's a difficult one to answer I think Pulisic has more experience he's had that and he's also had the like expectation of being the next big thing in America he has umpteen caps considering his age he's played Champions League he's had the pressure he has the pressure of expectation of playing for a big club like Dortmund but however, like in saying all that, Pulisic is still, he's a tad inconsistent. We still probably don't know what his best position would be. I can see him long term being like the third midfielder or number 10 rather than a white player. Whereas I think with Bailey, he's more going to end up being either playing off the right or off the left as kind of a forward slash a winger. And so going off last season's form, you'd easily say Bailey, but I think when you take everything into consideration, including the marketing aspect, which you know FSG are thinking about, they are 100% thinking what, how many jerseys they could sell in America, how many preseason games they could fill out again, like how, how they could work 
you know, LeBron James into some kind of marketing campaign with this, you, you know, that's they're cognizant of all of these things. So I think the club would probably take Pulisic if, if, if it was a competition between the two, especially because you have to remember that Dortmund and Liverpool have good relations because when Barcelona were initially chasing both Usman Dembele and Coutinho, Liverpool told Dortmund to hold out for a much higher price because there was no way that Liverpool were selling Coutinho that summer. So that kind of obstinance from Liverpool might have banked uh, Borussia Dortmund an extra 40 or 50 million. So I think they would be in good terms from that. And you also have to consider that uh, Devak Origi, um, according to various reports, is actually a target for Dortmund right now. They're trying to work and deal with Liverpool. So that could be something else to sweeten the pot. So I think without being obviously not sure because I'm not anything to do with the deal, I would be fairly certain that Pulisic will sign for Liverpool eventually. Yeah, it's almost impossible to decide between the two because if they are different, but they're, they're similar and they both have those plus points. Andy, go, go on, sell me on why Bailey is better. The better fit tactically, the better fit as a player, the more explosive. I'd say right now, that yeah, the explosive word is right now. Bailey does fit exactly how we play in terms of our front three. Uh, Pulisic, I think, is is a player who is like John mentioned. He's still developing. He's still looking to find what his best position is, and, and maybe the position where he actually end up playing. You know, he's very very creative, and and there's there's a huge huge upside, not just the marketing side of it. You know, there is a huge side upside in terms of the talent, but I think. If you looked at who is most like what we have right now, um, Bailey is. Bailey could slip into our front three, and you would notice the difference. I think that that's that. That for me would probably be the way to sell him. Is you you could take Mane, you could take Salah out, uh, put Bailey in, and I don't think you'd notice a, a huge difference other than maybe the finishing. That's yeah. I think I think you've convinced me, and I love Pulisic, and I think he. Might well become the better player. It's just too difficult. It's too difficult. Okay, let's. John, who is your alternative to Pulisic? Who, who would you be picking out as the superstar young player to come in as Liverpool's the fourth member of Liverpool's Fab Four? I think someone that could come in and that could that could be long term, be a very good player for Liverpool is Christian Pavan from Boca Juniors. He, um, he's a player that's been linked with a European switch for a long time now, including Arsenal this past summer. But uh, still at Boca Juniors at the age of 22, and you know he played some part in Argentina's ill-fated World Cup campaign and looked quite decent. I think just from his profile, very very quick, loves cutting in from that left flank and playing um, and kind of placing shots past keepers. I think uh, stylistically he'd be a very good fit for Liverpool, and because he's coming straight from Argentina, he wouldn't cost a crazy amount. Um, the figure mooted when he was linked to Arsenal was 27 million dollars. So not not a huge amount, r- relatively speaking. I think he's a player that could fit quite well in with Klopp's style of football. That's a very interesting shout, one, and also not the player that I was expecting to hear on this podcast because I completely thought out, did not think that far outside the box. Pavon, okay, so I know he's played kind of both flanks, but do you reckon he could play centrally as well? He has um, kind of sporadically played centrally for Baca, but he just he's only five foot seven, so I don't know if he would have the, like the physical kind of um, prowess to do it straight away. I mean, Firmino, it's not like Firmino is this big hulking centre forward, but he's just works so hard and is so intelligent that he can pull it off. So I think for our team, we probably require someone a little bit bigger to play centrally. But he would offer so you which, some... Which side do you reckon then, if, he, if he's offering you as much as he possibly could? I think probably left. be the right. 
Or the, oh, we just basically said completely different <laughs> I think he's more suited to being like a wide forward rather than a winger. So okay, yeah. Fair enough, left, yeah. The left cutting in on his right foot. I mean, his goal record isn't fantastic. It's nearly one in three. So it's okay, like, but considering he's playing for a massive club in the Argentinian league, it, it could do with, uh, it could do kind of being improved upon. But he's just someone that, uh, that anytime I've ever seen him play for Argentina or sporadically for Boca Juniors has impressed me. And he's so a player. What, what, what makes him special? He's just ridiculously quick and he, he has a very high work ethic, something that I think Klopp would like. He's like, again, he's not, he's not the most refined player. 22, it's, you know, he needs to improve, but he just has these, he just has a mentality that I think Klopp would like. He works very hard. And I remember reading in the summer reports from Argentina and Spain saying that Messi wanted Barcelona to bring him to Barcelona. So as indictments go, like, that's a huge, huge compliment in the football world. That's, yeah, this is as high a compliment as you could possibly get. I think, um, I, the thing with Pavon, from what I've seen, despite the fact he doesn't have the goal, maybe the goal impact in the numbers wise, you're just looking at him going, you are going to score every time you get somewhere near that box. And it's that weird X factor that I think a lot of players have when they hit their peak, especially if they're really quick. And Pavel's not that lightning. He's not Salah, but on the ball, I'm struggling to think of many South American players who could kind of reach him. A lot of the Brazilians rely on kind of speed of feet rather than at speed of feet dribbling with the ball rather than sheer, and we're going to use this word again, explosiveness. Um, and it's almost like Pavon is kind of trying to distinguish himself from the Brazilians, the likes of kind of Vinicius Jr. and, and even um, the likes of Douglas Costa, who are also very reliant on pace. Do you reckon, would you agree with that? Do you think he's more kind of physical than, than his South American counterparts? Oh yeah, for sure. Like he's, he's not this amazingly kind of a technical player. He, he kind of reminds me of the Mane who joined Liverpool from Southampton. You know, not terribly consistent, but he kind of has, he kind of has like this, I think it's like a, it's like a prescience. He, he's, he's clever. Like he, he's like a street footballer. He's not too refined, but he uses what he has to like the utmost. And, uh, I think like if he was coached under Klopp, like Mane, he could just, he could just take off. He could explode straight away. Mm, yeah. I think, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we've got we're two very differing kind of sides of players there. I think Pavon would definitely take some blooding some blooding in, uh, and Bailey, as Andy said, would explode out of the gates and really be able to fit in seamlessly to this lineup. Let's go to the, the second bunch of players. Less restrictions on this one, maybe not not even necessarily a, a like for like with Pulisic or even you wouldn't have to consider him. But uh, Andy, who's your who's your second player? The, the kind of the breakout star who you're expecting to explode and that. All clubs, especially Liverpool, should be looking at. Um, obviously, I'm sticking Bundesliga, and I'm actually going to stick. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I'm actually going to stick with the same club at Bayer Leverkusen as well, because as we mentioned, you know they've got such a great crop of talent coming through there. You mentioned Benny Henriks and obviously Julian Brandt. Uh, I talked, spoke about uh, Leon Bailey, um, another guy just behind them um, who was. In a couple of years, I mean, his first his first two seasons, uh, just before he turned 19, he played 54 Bundesliga games, scoring some like seven goals, 13 assists. That's Kai Havertz, um, a creative midfielder. So if you're talking an alternative to Pulisic, 
not necessarily like for like, but probably more in akin to the type of player that we were looking at when we were trying to tie up the Nabil Fakir deal. Uh, and obviously that, you know, that, that signing hasn't happened and it's unlikely that Fakir will sign for Liverpool, sadly, you know, with a tremendous player and everything, but all the things considered with that, it's unlikely to happen. I, I think I, I would look at uh, Havertz as being a great alternative to that creative midfielder position. Um, he's tall, he's elegant, but boy, can he uh, thread a pass. Absolutely incredible eye for for a pass. So, so calm, uh, so mature for his age as well. Only, you know, not long turn 19. Incredible, incredible talent. Um, breaking forward, great technique. This guy is another one who I think will have been looked at by clubs. They'll be monitoring. They'll be watching him. I mean, we were called monitor pool at one point. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't doubt that um, that we've that we've had a look at him and that we're keeping our keeping tabs on him. And and I certainly don't doubt that we'd be the only club doing that because th- this guy is a bit special. And, and I think it's probably not going to be long before the, the vultures start circling around by Leverkusen and try and really pick the bones of that squad. And I think Havertz could be one of the first names on that list. So, well, you mentioned his creativity there. I think he's one of the few players who can impact the ball in and around the box as much as he impacts it maybe 20 yards further deep, especially on counter attacks. Do you think he'd be able to fit into that third midfielder slot? Does his does his future lie as that hybrid number ten slash number eight that we're seeing so often in football these days? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, in terms of like number ten, you know, his idol is is Mesut Özil, and I know mm. obviously a lot, lots of people have got it's become sort of a very very divisive, you know, opinion on Mesut Özil. But I don't I don't think what can be ever, you, you know. Re- really debated in terms of Ozil is, is that technique and that ability uh, and the eye for a pass. It, it was always there uh, for, for whatever's happening. He's not probably not of the best club to to showcase uh, his talents uh, and maybe not even in particularly the right league. But, you know, Mesut Ozil is, is a player that uh, Havertz looked at, he idolised, wanted to be like. And, yeah, Havertz is that... It, you know, has that all that number ten ability, and I and I do feel that you know, with his physical attributes mixed in there, and he's he's so calm and so happy to receive the ball anywhere on the pitch and quick on the turn. You know, it, it just doesn't phase him. You know, like you said, he came into the team seventeen years old, uh, and he's played a regular amount of football. He he can he can do anything. The for me, the world is potentially at his feet. I think he would be perfect uh, as that third man in midfield linking the attack to the midfield uh, performing some of that midfield stuff and 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 obviously being there to finish it off um somewhere in the between you know you imagine sort of mixing him in with Nabikata you've got some insane potential in terms of dribbling passing the technique the eye for a pass the link up I'm I'm watering at the mouth just just thinking about it. That is as sexual a midfield as you were ever likely to get. Um, John, while we're in the the realm of imagining these wonderful 
concoctions. Havertz without front three. Is that a match made in heaven? Oh, it's so good. I mean, people have likened him to the next Michael Balak because he has that physicality. So you wouldn't even worry about him coming in and kind of being bullied or kicked around the league sometimes like Ozil can. Because he, he has that technique, like Andy mentioned, and he's left-footed, which is such a... To get a prime, to get a player like that, who's also left-footed, who brings that extra dimension to his game, is just so rare. And um he's a player who, according to the Oracle, that is Sam Maguire, who knows his onions that we've definitely looked at in the past. So, like, I would place a lot of faith in what he says about that to be true. So, it's definitely someone that we like. And I'd pay any amount of money for him, to be honest. More than what we pay for Keita. I, I wouldn't care what we paid for him so long as we got him. Because if, if you look at it hypothetically, Fabinho, Keita and uh, Havertz would be such a good midfield. It would have physicality. It would have height from Havertz and Fabinho. And it would have all three being really good ball players. I think... Potentially, obviously, Man City is the best in the league, and you have to give them the credit they deserve. But if you looked at maybe in three or four times, that could potentially be the best league in the, in uh, in the league, and up there with one of the best in Europe. It would be absolutely spectacular. I would pay any amount of money to see it. That that was the first mention of Sam Maguire, by the way, and I I'm owing him a certain fee for every time he gets mentioned. So let's keep that to a minimum, please. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't want to actually have Sam Maguire suing me. Uh, there is. An idea, perhaps, that Havertz is already on his way to Bayern Munich. Do we think that's likely, Andy? It's, it's difficult to tell. I mean, there's been them kind of rumours with lots of different players. Some have come to pass, some haven't. Uh, obviously, there are within the German media there are strong connections to Bayern. Uh, Bills, you know, traditionally have. Very good connections to Bayern. Well, that was where the link came from, wasn't it? That yeah, was, that was so, the one of the summer that Havertz was already locked in by a build. Yeah, so I, I, it, it would suggest to me that he's a player on their radar. But then again, that's not a surprise because, you know, you look at the talent, you look at the attributes, what is what is shown already at such a tender age. And, you know, you've got Rudy Fuller there, the sporting director at Leverkusen, just... <laughs> Just waxing lyrical beyond anything else at this guy. So I, I obviously Bayern are going to look at him, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bayern are just amongst a plethora of clubs that are interested in him. I think if it was tied up, I think we'd we'd see something a little more concrete, more along the lines of Leon Goretzka. Uh, that was, I mean, that that was just, you know, it was. Uh, uh, a not so well kept secret that that was that was done. So let let's wait and see because th- there's so many more options out there. And and I think Bayern this season it's potentially a club in transition now. So it, uh, it might might well depend on just what, what direction Bayern go in as well. Um, I think he'll so he'll have so many more options available to him that he might might decide you know what actually I might chance my arm and I'll uh, move outside the Bundesliga and I'll do something else because you can always come back and you can that you know that option of buying would always be there so let's just wait and see I, I I'm not I'm not convinced that it's you know that it's a sure thing yet yeah that's a rather salient point actually that he could always go back to buying that will always be really taken because he's a Bundesliga wonder kid and that's what they do um on Havertz, this is a strange comparison, but it's one that I, I kind of have popped up in my head a couple of times. 
when Raheem Sterling was at Liverpool, he really came into his peak when he was able to kind of come off the bench and then be relied upon. And, and that end of that 13-14 season, um, think of the goals against Norwich, think of the, the, the performance against Arsenal in that majestic 5-1. Sterling came on and he would provide something in the first half of the season. He pro- provide sometimes very little, sometimes a fair bit, but it was enough that made you go, we've got a talent on our hands. For Liverpool fans that haven't seen Kai Havertz, it's like we're getting the last four games of 2013-14, because he's at, he's at a relatively similar age. He's even younger. He's, he's 17, 18, this kid. It's like we're getting those last four games and the influence that he shows, but spread over an entire season's worth of sometimes cameos, but more game time than he ought to be having, really. He is an absolute freak at the, on the ball, um, in terms of the, just at, looking like silk and looking smooth. However, that is going to attract the big guns. And it, in that, the point of this, the, the second player as well is to kind of think outside of Liverpool, who would he go to? So if, if you were Kai Havertz, John, what would you be looking at as a career path? How would you avoid becoming? I don't want to say Leon Goretzka because Goretzka is a phenomenal player, but I just get the sense that Goretzka could have gone somewhere other than Bayern and, and excelled a bit more. Where would you be looking if you were Kai Havertz? I think the Premier League, obviously a very myopic and, you know, a massive Liverpool fan, so I'd probably be accused of bias because I probably am biased, but I would say the Premier League because, and especially under Klopp because he is a countryman that has a track record of improving players. I think he'd probably be somewhere where he'd be facing a higher kind of, uh, higher kind of expectations and maybe a higher caliber of opposition most weeks. And because Bayern just steamroll their way through that league, it's not good for the national team, I don't think. It's not good for even Bayern's chances in Europe. They, they've been close on a few occasions, but they've always keep coming a cropper in recent years when they've had no challenge domestically. I think you need to be battle-hardened. The same can be said of PSG, who I'm sure Thomas Tuchel would like to take him there if he ever had the opportunity. But I think it's good to come to a competitive league where there's lots of really high quality teams and, you know, there's the opportunity for you to learn. So I think Liverpool is really the idyllic move for him. And we, we know that the club likes him. So it's probably something that he's thought about. Mm, the idea of Mbappe being fed by Havertz is just utterly not fair. Uh, Andy, what about you? Where do you think he ought to end up? Um, I think Klopp and Liverpool probably presents his best opportunity for development, but would he be able to fit into a Guardiola City team? Would he be able to, okay, it won't be Jose, but would he be able to be pragmatic enough for a, a United team who aren't necessarily playing the most glorious football? You'd have to think it's one of these top clubs. Without a doubt, one of the top clubs. I mean, you know, he's, he turned 19 in June. Um, that, that's, you know, he's that young. He's in his, yes, he is predominantly left footed, but he is a two footed player. And it's, it's amongst, he really shines in them counter-attacks. So, you know, Liverpool probably suits him best. In terms of, in terms of United's, yeah, you'd imagine under Jose, it's just way too pragmatic. Um, like, like Pogba, you know, you're not seeing that talent utilized to its full potential. And, and I don't think it, that would be the type of move that would suit him. Uh, the profile of player that he is. I, I think Liverpool would suit him down to the ground, obviously. Yeah. As Liverpool fans, it's uh, we're always that bit biased. I, I think he could certainly adapt 
in terms of a Guardiola, Guardiola would probably love to have him and develop him there. But then I think Guardiola would love uh, Joshua Kimmich and he would love Julian Weigel there as well. You know, he, he loves these technically gifted players. And that's the thing, you know, it's been spoken of with Havertz, technically gifted and tactically astute. And that was what they were talking about him when he was 17. You know, that was before he'd even turned 18 years old. They talked about him being tactically astute. So I, I think, yes, he would fit into a Guardiola side, but I think um, him and a Klopp Liverpool is just a match made in heaven. That's resoundingly exciting. I'll give you that. Uh, John, on to our last player, fourth and final. Who do you reckon could come into, not necessarily this Liverpool team, but come into the, the four in the public eye in the next few months, maybe in the next season? I think James Madison will have a very good season for Leicester. Oh, that's a shout. That is a good shout. Because he's not a typical British player. He He's different to what you would associate with a British player. I think he has some of the attributes, like being able, like a really big heart and being able to get stuck in and kind of mix it physically. But he's a lovely technical footballer. He can take set pieces. He can tread a pass through the eye of a needle. He's comfortable dribbling, nice first touch. So I think he's one of those players that get lauded quite a lot this season, and I couldn't see him being at Leicester for too much longer. He's a guy who I'm sure in future will go to one of the top six clubs in England, possibly even Liverpool, for a stupendous fee, probably something like 70 million. So I think he's going to have a very good season. He um, he scored last weekend for Leicester, who were quite fortuitous to beat Wolves, but uh, he also played quite decently in their defeat away to Old Trafford. He's the kind of player who wants the ball all the time, regardless of the scenario, when he's back to play in tight spaces on either side. So I think he's someone that will really, really have a good season. And it will be another, it'll be another clever signing for Leicester, who I'm sure they'll make big profit on someday. That's, um, it's, that's irritating me now because I really, really, really like Madison and, and it's just reminding me that we didn't sign him. Uh, I think, do you think he needed to go to Leicester though to really prove? kind of his talent level. Yeah, probably because I thought I couldn't envision a scenario like where he'd go from championship Norwich straight into the midfield of Liverpool who just got to a Champions League final, especially with Naby Keita coming in and possibly even Fekir if we had signed him and Fabinho. So I think he's much better served going to Leicester, getting that, um, getting that exposure, that first team football. And so word I keep, I keep saying, but responsibility He'll be responsible, you know, for being their creative fulcrum. And that, that, that'll be a big, big learning curve for him and something that will really expose him to, expose him to top level football like that. And I think it's something that he should learn from. And then we'll be seeing him, like I said, at a top six club sooner rather than later. And do you think, do you agree with that? Do you think he's, his career trajectory is top six Premier League club or, and the Bundesliga is especially maybe uh, on the younger scale, but. Bundesliga clubs have been picking up English talent who haven't been getting chances. And that is leading to a lot of, well, it's almost an exodus. You have to say it's almost an exodus of English talent to look overseas and realize they're not getting the chances to break into these top six clubs who are more and more looking for the profile of 23 plus years old. Do you think Madison's next stop is a top six club or could it well be, who knows, Atletico Madrid? I think the, the early signs are that he, yeah, it's, it's top six within the Premier League. Uh, obviously it depends on him and his mentality and the way that he wants to develop his game. But I think it's encouraging that there are younger English players that are now looking at the Bundesliga and saying, yeah, 
you know, th- this is a great place for nurturing talented footballers and talented coaches as well. Uh, and coaches who uh, are exciting to play under and want to develop the players as well as well as themselves. So it, it's a great, you know, area for development for, for say for players and coaches. So he will probably, I mean, he may well look at it and think, right, I've kind of foregone, I've I've stepped past that mark now. Um, I'm making my mark at Leicester. It's it's such a, a hyped, it's such a hype league and a, and a team that recently won won the league. And is getting plenty of attraction. I think his next step is most likely uh, top six. But again, if he can continue, you know, if he can do this consistently, what he's shown, you know, in in this early stage of the season, he's he certainly uh, he certainly got the talent. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of inevitable that he will move on somewhere. John, do you? Ha- I'm not sure if you've got his numbers there. He was very impressive for Norwich last season. Is he the kind of player Liverpool? Yeah, you, you have to say, considering we we kind of went after him, he's almost definitely the player that we would want. But do you think he'd fit in with this side in maybe two seasons when he's when he's kind of proved himself? Yeah, I think I think he he definitely would, especially um on the ball. There like there are probably around two questions to be seen of whether he'd have the you know the capacity to play in like an intricate pressing game with all like pressing traps. And all the kind of, um, all the details that you need to, that entails in that game. But I think Derek's definitely on the ball. He has all the ability. And I also like the fact that he was Norwich captain at such a young age. It shows responsibility. It shows kind of, a, um, a kind of an off-field intelligence and appreciation of where he is. So I think certainly from, from that point of view, he'd definitely be something that would fit in. Mm, that's, that's a good point. And, and in terms of his best position, do you think that is centrally, that, that number 10 spot? Yeah, or an advanced number eight, how Klopp plays it in a one, two, four, three, three midfield. I don't think he'd necessarily be quick enough to play wide for Liverpool. So it would definitely be a number 10 if we changed shape to a four, two, three, one, say, or as one of the advanced centre midfielders in a regular four, two, three formation. Yeah, I think if you're looking at Madison, I'm, I'm sure you agree in terms of goal scoring prowess, he's got as much of that as he does of, uh, creativity. In fact, he's probably better than Havertz on that stage because he's older and Havertz, his goal scoring is getting there, but he's, he's very much, Havertz is very much the midfielder. He's the David Silva. Whereas I think Madison is almost, ah, this is a very, 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 very stringent kind of comparison. But if, if you're looking at that city system, he's almost the De Bruyne of Madison where everything has to flow through him. I'm, I'm curious to see whether that will work at Leicester. With Jamie Vardy and with the counter-attacking setup, but almost as if David Silver is that have sorry Havertz is that David Silver um, influence who, who pulls all the strings from deep, who gets forward and he's able to conduct. Whereas De Bruyne is the heartbeat of the team. It's almost and this is gonna be ludicrous, but it's almost it'd almost be worth having both uh, next to Fabinho if you could get Havertz playing that navigator role. Say we never got a navigator, or say some team is listening to this podcast and I hope you've listened this long whoever you are and uh, you've you're looking at maybe a new midfield and you've got some money from an owner and you're thinking well why not buy both um, the cool 100 million will probably set you aside for Havertz and 50 million for Madison I genuinely think they could work together I, I know that's almost too marauding but it, it's one of those things where two attacking midfielders and one defensive midfielder can work in the right system. Um, 
I'm assuming that, Andy, you were very much in the Havertz camp, but if Madison does prove himself to be as good as perhaps his Norwich tenure said he would be, would he be a good alternative to Havertz? Would he even be a good alternative to Pulisic if we, if we switched things up? Like you said, we've looked at him, so we've obviously evaluated all his attributes and felt that he he could fit us. So if the if the staff within the club, because you've got to put some faith in our recruitment team now. Uh, you know they they're pulling up so many um, great signings now on on a consistent basis that you put your faith in that team and say absolutely he would fit he would suit us. Uh, however. They wanted to to fit him in, and whatever position they wanted him to play, he he would fit us in in some in some capacity. Obviously, I'm going to say I would prefer Havertz. I think he'd suit our our formation and the, the style that we're playing at the moment more. Uh, Madison, I think, would be a, an ideal fit for for Spurs. You know, if say Christian Eriksen wasn't there, but you know, having gone to Leicester for a, a decent sized sum. His next move, if he continues on this trajectory, is going to be bigger money, and you know that kind of rules Spurs out really. <laughs> so, yeah, it's what he does next might be might be quite might be quite an interesting one, and who knows? Maybe maybe it will be us. It's uh, it's certainly difficult to predict. So we've had four players there. We've had from Andy Wales. Uh, two Bundesliga players, as, as many might have predicted. And from John O'Sullivan, a bit of South American spice, and then some traditional English, traditional English flavour, which I like. I like that there's a nice kind of chain going along there. Um, in terms of Liverpool, do we think, out of all these four players, who, who could you see being the likeliest? I'll start with you, John. The four players we've discussed, uh, even you can even add in Christian Pulisic in there if you want. But let's, no, let's keep it to the four players we've discussed. Who do you think is the likeliest to, to come to the club, and who's the likeliest to move? I could see Liverpool getting Havertz because I don't see Bayer Leverkusen selling that many players. And in the last few days, Leon Bailey has extended his contract until 2022. So whether that's value protection or he's genuinely going to stay there for the long term it remains to be seen. But I think certainly if it were to be one of the players. They could probably sell, they would probably sell Havertz. So I think that would be the most likely. Certainly that's probably the one I would want to happen the most. Of the players mentioned, all of them are good. I'd take any of them. But probably if you put gun to my head, I would say the player I want the most out of those mentioned is uh, Kai Havertz because he can be, he can be as good as he wants to be, which is exceedingly good. His ceiling is pretty much limitless. That's, that's a good case. Andy, would you agree with that? Absolutely agree. And Havertz has got a contract to 2022 as well. So if Bayern do want him, uh, Leverkusen are going to hold out for as much money as possible. And, you know, as much as Bayern have the money uh, and they are a, a machine there, Premier League clubs are just willing to pay that bit more. So um, I, I do think of all the players, Havertz is the most likely and like John, the, the one I'd want the most, probably. There you have it. That is, uh, well, a rather tantalising selection of players, uh, even backed up by a couple of a couple of tantalising underrated players that we discussed at the start of the podcast. If you can cast your mind back that far, listener, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us. And most importantly, thank you to my two guests, John O'Sullivan and Andy Wales. John, what's your Twitter handle? At NotoriousJOS. Go follow him, you not do a better thing today, I guarantee it. Uh, and anything to plug, mate? Any, are you working on anything? Not at the minute in terms of writing, but I'll be appearing on quite a few podcasts lately on the Apple Linux channel, so look out for me there. 
Perfect. The man is in demand for a reason. Andy, what about you? You got any articles coming out soon or just sticking to the to the audio? Yeah, I'm going to be working on an article that will be out during the international break, looking back on the the last Liverpool team to win the league title that was back in 89-90. So uh, there will be that. And, and of course, yeah, podcast uh, side of things, uh, myself and producer Guy, and now the, the co-host for the Res Review. So there'll be a new Res Review coming up very, very soon. So please do check that out. Wonderful. And where can I follow you on Twitter? At Andy Armchair. Wonderful. And uh, for all of you back there, you, you probably already do this because why wouldn't you? But make sure you go follow Guy Drinkle on Twitter, the producer behind the magic that is the AI Committee podcast and a lot of other podcasts as well. You can follow me at Alex underscore Barra 12 on Twitter. You probably heard of me before from the writing. I know that sounds ridiculously arrogant, but it's the way AI works. Um, if you haven't, go check out my articles. I should have another one up soon. I've just written on why Liverpool are becoming more than their attack. And, well, if today's anything to go by and this podcast is anything to go by, Liverpool could well become much more than just their attack. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you check out AI Pro. The stuff that Gags and everyone are doing is simply phenomenal. There are free trials. There are offers all the time. We're accepting PayPal now. Look, if you haven't, you should. Uh, and in terms of the community podcast, we'll hopefully have another one out sometime in the next month. Uh, please let us know if you enjoyed it. Uh, it was my debut hosting, so if I spent too much time talking, that's probably on me. Do let me know. Uh, thank you very much, as I said, to John O'Sullivan, to Andy Wales, and to producer Guy. Thank you for Tanfield Index for having me, and thank you to football for producing so many wonderful players to talk about. I've been Alex Barillaro. This has been the Anfield Index Committee Podcast. We will see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.